are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Happy Monday, everybody. The Timberwolves defeated the Cleveland Cavs on Sunday evening, have now won two games in a row for the first time since the day before Thanksgiving. That's real. As as hard as that might be to believe, or I guess maybe not as hard as it is to believe if you've been watching the Timberwolves at all. But at any rate, they've won three of their last four. They're now four and two over their last six games and are somehow miraculously in a a, really a virtual three-way tie with Memphis and Portland at a half game behind San Antonio for the number eight spot in the Western Conference. So there's four teams within a half game fighting for that spot. Unfortunately, Memphis has already won the season series against the Wolves. The two teams only play three times this year. The Grizzlies won the first two, and the last game of that series is this coming Tuesday, um, and that that caps off the season series. So here's hoping the Wolves don't end up in a tie with Memphis at the end of the year in terms of their records. It seems unlikely. I feel like the Grizzlies should fade, and the Wolves hopefully will get back on track, especially if Carl Anthony Towns comes back. Um, But at any rate, the Wolves need to, with that many teams close together, those games against the likes of Portland and um, San Antonio are going to be that much more important moving forward. But more on that later, we're going to spend most of today's show talking about the Wolves' win over the Cavs on Sunday. What went right, including the three players who have been downright fantastic over the last few games. We'll get into studs and duds here in our second segment. Um, First of all, as we get into the game against the Cavs, the Wolves did get Andrew Wiggins back. He missed four games uh, with what was actually the flu, which makes sense. He missed over a week of play. Jeff Teague was back after missing two games with a knee sprain, and Noah Vonley, after missing three games with a glute injury, was back on the court, played eight minutes in this one in the first half. The Wolves were still without, of course, Jake Lehman and Carl Anthony Towns. Um, Travion Graham also did not play. He was listed in the box score as a, as a did not play coach's decision. He had also had flu-like symptoms. Not sure whether or not he was available, but um, he was at least active for this game. Um, the Wolves, or excuse me, the Cavs did not have Kevin Love, who sat out the second night of a back-to-back due to rest, which is also what happened last Saturday against the Wolves. The Cavs were on a back-to-back, and Love didn't play. The Cavs also were without Tristan Thompson, who was out due to an illness, and Larry Nance Jr. was also out with a knee injury. Kevin Porter Jr., the rookie guard, who's really dynamic and, and appears to have a really bright future, unfortunately left the game with an injury late in the third quarter. It looked to be somewhat serious. Don't want to speculate too much, but... He twisted his leg. Um, Covington accidentally kind of kicked his foot a little bit as his leg was already twisted and he had to be helped off the court. So here's hoping Porter's all right uh, moving forward and that it wasn't that serious of an injury, but that definitely hurt the Cavs late in the game as well. The Wolves were, in terms of actual gameplay in this one, the Wolves were ahead for most of the game. First quarter was pretty ugly. They were up 24-20 after the first frame. Wiggins was clearly knocking off some rust early in the game, was trying to get back into the flow of the offense and, and missed a ton of shots. Um, the Wolves actually really struggled outside the arc early in the game, and um, and that was a big part of them. Their offense just kind of being really sluggish to start. Eventually, they started knocking down some open threes, and the Wolves. That's what allowed the Wolves to create separation in the second quarter. They scored forty two points in the second quarter. Um, early on in the in the in the quarter, they had huge uh, or they had a lot of scoring come from Nas Reed and Keelan Martin off the bench. And then as the quarter wore on and the starters came back into the game, Shabazz Napier really took over. Um and uh the offense just clicked more as the game went on. There was a lot of really impressive passing from the Wolves in the especially in the second and third quarters. Um the big men really got involved in the passing game. Nas Reed, Gorgie Jeng especially um were were both had nice backdoor uh, or passes on backdoor uh, cuts 
from wings that led to assists. They both had good passes from the perimeter. Um, they both had the opportunity to put the ball on the floor uh, a little bit, you know, almost in that Carl Anthony Towns role that was put into this offense for Towns specifically. But both Gorgie and Nas Reed were, were able to show that they could pump fake from the perimeter, drive to the basket and create score for themselves. And they were they were probably the most impressive part. You know, this side of Shabazz Napier, the most impressive part of this win for the Wolves was Reed and, and Gorgie together um, in that Towns role of the offense. Um, so the offense over really kind of carried from the second quarter into the third quarter. The Wolves were able to build a huge lead. They led by 15 at halftime. They're up 25 with about four minutes left in the third quarter before Cleveland really pushed back. The Cavs went on a 32 to six run. They took a 97 and 96 lead with eight and a half minutes left in the game. Most of that damage was done against the Wolves bench. Um, If you look at the box score, there's just a, a host of ugly plus minus numbers on the bench. There were four guys who all had negative 11s or worse. Um, whereas all the starters were fantastic in this game from a plus minus perspective. This was really two long kind of over runs that the Wolves went on. The Cavs went on a couple long runs with a couple of Wolves buckets in between. And that was enough to give Cleveland that brief lead. And it really didn't feel like the type of game where the Wolves were going to be able to get back. Um, Even though it was only a one-point lead for the Cavs, you know, giving up a 25-point advantage really kind of mentally makes you feel like the Wolves aren't going to have the ability to get back in it. Uh, But they pushed back immediately. They had a big three from Andrew Wiggins after a timeout that put the Wolves back on top for good. The Wolves scored 14 straight points. Cleveland, over the last eight and a half minutes, only scored six points. They had they made two free throws. They had two field goals from the floor, and only one of them was actually shot by their players. Um, Gorgie Jang accidentally tipped in a, a, an offensive rebound for the Cavs, and John Henson was credited with the bucket. That was one of two baskets that the Cavs made from the floor over the last eight and a half minutes of the game. So the Wolves really clamped down defensively. The offense was was pretty good there late in the game. They scored enough to, to keep the Cavs at arm's length and still win by double digits. Um, Ron Saunders actually had a quote after the game, which was a little bit surprising to me, but I guess good to see, in which he was just overall pretty unsatisfied with with the way things ended up in this game. Um, it was in the ESPN game story here. He said, quote, that was a locker room after the game where it didn't feel like a full road win. Our guys knew we came away with one in a situation where Cleveland outplayed us for a good amount of the second half. We did execute and buckle down defensively towards the end. We should feel good about that, but we should also not be satisfied, end quote. I think for me, I definitely would have felt the same way if the Wolves had had barely won at the end of the game, if they'd come back and maybe won by a bucket or two, but still winning by 15. And also it was the starters that came back and saved the day after the bench gave everything back. It makes me feel a little bit better. That starting unit was extremely dominant early in the game and then dominant when they needed to be late in the game. Um, and, and granted, it's a shorthanded Cleveland team that has won 10 games all year and had even less of their guys available on this night, but still an impressive push back from the wolves to kind of, to kind of answer back when the Cavs had, uh, you know, used up all of their energy, making a run of their own. Um, so certainly disappointing that that lead was given up. There's no question about that. And good that Saunders is worried about that as the coach, but overall a solid, a solid win for the wolves. If you're able to build a 25 point lead and then come back and still win by 15 after giving that up means you did something right, at least, um, offensively for most of the game and then defensively when they needed to late in the fourth quarter. Um, so that was overall a positive thing. All right, next up, we're going to look at studs and duds who played well for the wolves and stood out and spoiler alert. It's a couple of guys who have been playing really well lately for the wolves. The Wolves were led once again in this game by Shabazz Napier, who had his fourth consecutive game with 20 or more points. He's been 
awesome lately. Going back to the Wolves' loss to the Cavs when they lost by six at home last Saturday, and Napier shot just three of 17 from the floor in 23 minutes. He was one of six beyond the arc, had nine points, four turnovers in that game against Cleveland a little over a week ago, the Saturday after Christmas. Then since then, the Wolves have gone three and one, and Napier has had 20 or more points in every game. He had 24 and eight in the win, overtime win over Brooklyn. He had 22 points, six rebounds, three assists in the loss to Milwaukee. That was just the two-point road loss. Then he had 20 points, seven assists, a couple of steals against Golden State last week, 21 and seven with just one turnover against Cleveland on Sunday. Um, Really, really solid offense from Napier. He's been a lot more efficient lately. He's gone through these stretches where he's just jacked up a ton of shots and for the most part has been decently efficient, but he shot over 50% from the floor each of the last three games. He was eight of 10 in this game. Two of three beyond the arc. And again, seven assists to the one turnover. He had a three-point attempt where um, the defender slid underneath him and he tweaked his ankle. He got up, hit all three free throws all three free throws um the play was actually called a flagrant napier looked like he was in some pain stayed in the game here's hoping that there isn't a uh, a lasting injury or some soreness that crops up you know maybe uh on monday or tuesday um, but overall great performance again from napier he operated the offense extremely well um, made good decisions in the pick and roll was able to get gorgie the ball in in advantageous positions to score did a little bit of driving and kicking as well um, just really good performance from napier granted the Cavs don't exactly have a murderer's row of defenders um, and there's darius garland um, the rookie and then you know second year uh, guy colin sexton not not a whole lot to write home about in terms of staunch defenders for the Cavs, but nonetheless I mean, four games in a row against, you know, the Bucks have a have a good defense themselves. Um, beyond that, it's three teams that the Wolves are, you know, should be better than in, in Brooklyn, Golden State and Cleveland. But um, still solid performances from Napier. And this was this was maybe his best one just from an efficiency standpoint and command of the game. Just the one turnover. Really impressive performance from Shabazz once again. The other clear stud in this game was Gorgie Jang, who also shot 8 of 10 from the floor. He had 22 points, 13 rebounds, 6 assists, 4 blocks in this game, was 4 of 5 from beyond the arc, was a plus 20 on the game in just 29 minutes. Um, I accidentally recorded and watched the Cleveland Cavaliers broadcast this game, and their broadcast includes a couple of analysts. It's a three-man booth. They have Brad Doherty and Austin Carr, of course, both former Cavs players. I've never been a huge fan of Austin Carr as an analyst, I think it was actually Brad Doherty in this game early in the four, in the first quarter, excuse me, Gorgie attempted and missed a three barely from the left wing. And he laughed and made a comment about how he can have that shot all night. And, you know, basically if he, if the wolves are going to jack up threes like that, and if Gorgie's going to shoot those threes, we'll let him have that shot all night. Well, Gorgie didn't miss another three. He made his next four. And by the end of the game, there was a weird exchange between Doherty and Carr where they said something to the effect of, Oh, I can see why they keep him around. He's a really good player. He's he's dynamic. He's well-rounded. He's He can do everything. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess, I mean, Gorgie was 0 for 5 from the three-point line the last time the Wolves played the Cavs. So I, I don't know. May I think these guys should watch a little bit of game film beyond the two games that the Wolves and Cavs have played. This is pretty clearly the second time they'd ever seen Gorgie Jang play. And once he was just okay, and the other time he was awesome. But I mean, based on this game, you'd think he was an all-star. So I feel like Perhaps a little bit more prep work could have been done um, related to Gorgie and some of the Wolves players not named Andrew Wiggins. But at any rate, he had 22, 13, 6, and 4 blocks in 29 minutes. An awesome performance. Gorgie was great from beyond the arc. He hit a couple of mid-range jumpers. He scored down low. He had four offensive rebounds in this game. Um, 
he, I mean, the, the Cavs did, John Henson started, didn't have a great game. Ante Zizic did come off the bench and have 15 and 12, but overall, Gorgie was very good. It obviously helped to not have to go against Tristan Thompson and Kevin Love, but Gorgie was clearly one of the two best players on the floor for the Wolves. To have Deng and, and Napier combined to shoot 16 for 20 from the field, um, that's a, it gives you a pretty good shot to win when your two best players offensively in this game shot 80% from the field. Another stud for this game would be Robert Covington. He had 15 points, 5 of 13 shooting. He was 4 of 10 beyond the arc. After that weird game when he only attempted four shots earlier in the week, he's been more aggressive. I'm sure the Wolves, um, they've clearly made a concerted effort to call a couple more plays for him early to try and get him shots. And they'll take a 4 out of 10 from beyond the arc for him every night. That's basically the perfect Covington night. He also had four steals, which is the perfect number in that in that category for Covington um, he only had four rebounds in 34 minutes he played a team high 34 minutes um, and was also a team best plus 29 so he was a big part of building that lead and then also getting it back late in the fourth quarter so a really good solid all-around performance from Rocco um, those are the three guys who clearly fall in the stud category Nas Reed was kind of a tale of two halves he was awesome in the first half um, he scored he had a crazy crossover from he was in the left corner pump fake the three had a crossover went into the lane and had this sweeping right-handed hook that went in uh, that also by the way the Cavs broadcasters are really impressed with it was a kind of an old school shot they they really loved it um, but Nas only attempted one three uh, was four of seven from the field and four or six of that was from inside the arc had eight points three assists, three steals, two rebounds in just 11 minutes, um, was not as good in the second half. Um, he was part of that that squad, that unit that gave up that run for the Cavs. Uh, the interior defense and rebounding wasn't quite there for him late. Um, Keelan Martin, same thing, really good first half, had nine points. I think it was maybe all but one basket was in that second quarter. He was four of 10 shooting in 20 minutes. Um but those, those are the guys that would clearly fall in the stud category. I guess I should also shout out Jarrett Culver. He was a team best plus 33, had 14 points, four, four steals, three assists, three rebounds, six of 11 from the floor. After a couple of really inefficient performances, it was really good to see Culver buckle down and, and be efficient offensively, only attempt 11 shots in 28 minutes, um, which compared to his games recently is is not very many shots. He was well-rounded in this game, really active defensively, and that was really good to see. There weren't very many clear duds in this game. I guess we'll give a the nod, I guess, to, to Keita Bates-Diop. He only played 14 minutes, had one point, one rebound, was 0-3 from the field. Um, he's primarily playing the four, so he needs to get more than one rebound in 14 minutes. Um, so I guess that's that's why he falls into the dud category. Um, Josh Okogi was very good off the bench. Jeff Teague was good. They, you know, neither of them really scored. Um, Teague was aggressive offensively, had five assists in 17 minutes to just one turnover. Um, Noah Vonley played eight first half minutes. Um, and we already mentioned everybody else. Jordan Bell only played in garbage time. That's, that's pretty much it. I guess we should talk a little bit about Wiggins. He doesn't really fall into either category. He did struggle a lot early. He was six of 19 total from the floor, but most of those misses were early in the game. He was one of six beyond the arc. His make was that big three after the Wolves were down 97, 96, they called the timeout and Wiggins comes back out on the floor, hits a huge three is only three of the game to put the Wolves back on top for good. He also added seven rebounds, four assists, two steals in this game. So a solid performance from Wiggins, I, I guess, um, given the circumstances that he'd missed four games in a row, he clearly was trying to get back into playing shape. Um, so, Hopefully he continues to play hard and that and uh, the Wolves are able to get him some easier shots next time out. Um, but there weren't really any clear duds in this game for the Wolves. Um, so sorry, Kata, but I guess you're the only one that's officially a dud. 
All right, next we're going to talk, take a quick peek ahead at the schedule for the week and what we think the Wolves can can do moving forward to try and get to that eight spot. The Wolves have a real chance here coming up to still gain a little bit more ground in the Western Conference. Next up, of course, they have Memphis on Tuesday. That's a really winnable game. And then they play Portland, who's another team that they're battling with for that eight seed. So two really important games in a row. That game's on Thursday. And then it gets a lot tougher at Houston Saturday. And certainly not a game the Wolves will be favored in. That's a that's a weird Saturday afternoon game. Um, and then Monday at home for Oklahoma City. Wednesday at home for Indiana as part of a home-and-home home against Indiana, who's been a lot better than I think a lot of people thought they would be this year, um, myself included. And then home games for Toronto and Denver. So the next, after the Memphis-Portland games, that's six games in a row against teams with a winning record. They're all going to be playoff teams. The Thunder have kind of pulled away in that number seven spot. They're like five games ahead now, six games ahead of, of the teams all fighting for the eight spot in the, in the West. So that's a little bit surprising too. Um, but if the Wolves can win these games against Memphis and Portland and maybe get towns back for this run of tough games, if they can go into the stretch, say they win the next two against Memphis and Portland and they're 16 and 21, they also would then be tied with Portland in the season series. Um, between the two teams. And then for that tough stretch of six, you get towns back when two, maybe three of them. Um, there's only one back to back. That's the Indiana Toronto back to back, um, which is a week from this coming weekend. And then the wolves could be in a pretty decent spot as they get closer to the all-star break. I think, um, getting to getting to 500 is, is a pretty clear goal by the all-star break that it would certainly be a tall task. There's still seven games under 500. Um, but there's winnable games on the schedule. Towns should be coming back at some point. Jake Lehman's going to be coming back, although we don't really know when. Um, but if they play as hard as they've played the last few games, we talked about this on Friday, the team is simply playing hard now and they, and they recognize that they know that, that that's been one of the big differences. And a, a big part of that is, is veterans like Rocco and Napier and Gorgie playing hard all the time. And then also this infusion of young guys who, who they don't really, they don't know any better in some cases and, and they're getting their shot, getting called up from the G league, at least in the case of Reed and, um, you know, Bates Diop is more of a, a staple of the rotation now, but you look at some of the other guys who have come up and contributed Jalen Noel, um, and uh, even in some in some cases, Jordan McLaughlin, Keelan Martin's been really good overall. Um, but if the Wolves continue to play hard like this and compete on defense, as they start to get some guys back from injury, they're going to be in a much, much better spot moving forward. Um, we're going to spend most of our show uh, tomorrow on Tuesday previewing the game against Memphis and really digging into what went wrong the first two times that, that those teams, that the two teams played. Towns played in those games. Um, the first loss to Memphis was right after Towns' two-game suspension, and so he was coming back. The Wolves had had this road game in Memphis, and it, it felt like one that they should win, and they got beat pretty handily. They lost by 16 way back at the, the first week of November. And then last time around, Towns also played in that game. It was actually the first loss of this losing streak um, after they'd won road games at Atlanta and San Antonio just prior to Thanksgiving. You might remember the Wolves had that four-day layoff or three-day layoff, I guess, between Thanksgiving and, and Sunday. And um, it was a Sunday matinee at Target Center, and they lost by eight to Memphis. Towns had 21-12 and 12 in that game, and somehow the Wolves still lost by eight. That was the first game of the 11-game losing streak. Obviously, haven't played since then, and this is the final game of the season series. So it really, I mean, law of averages would tell you that two teams that are fairly evenly matched, um, even if Towns doesn't play, 
ah, this feels like a game that the Wolves really should win. Um, they probably will be favored in this game, just given the way they've played lately and some of the injuries that Memphis is now going through as well. Uh, but we'll see. And we'll we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the, the matchup specifically on Tuesday as well. Um, and then perhaps we'll cover some more of these uh, these Towns rumors slash non-rumors that keep cropping up. Um, on Tuesday as well as we get into the rest of what's a pretty busy week overall for the Wolves. All right, that's all we have for you today. Thanks once again for listening to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Remember, the Locked On Network is your local experts on the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked On Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.